As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. New Year, same old f***ing bears. We are not good. What? We are not good, chef. Nope. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Why the f*** do I watch this game? One of the local writers, Adam Hoagie or Hog, excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogue. Hey, George. Hi, Adam. Um, And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Adam Johns, go ahead. Hey, man, how you doing? Um, Coach Ditka versus the Hurricane. Who would win? Thank God. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The name of the hurricane is Hurricane Dicker. Here they are, Hogan Johns. Cheers, everyone. Yes. Um, unfortunately, I just have water today. <laughs> I already drank that coffee. Yeah. No. Yeah. We got. We got. We got to hydrate. Got to get through this. Uh. Anyway, I hope everyone's doing well on this Tuesday morning. We are live uh, on Hogan Johns on the YouTube channel. If you haven't checked it out yet, please do. We've hit 15,000 subscribers on there, so we appreciate everybody that has uh, jumped on there. And quite frankly, honestly, if you're just if you're still one of those podcast listeners, which we love you very much, the OGs, uh, it would still help us if you would go on the uh, YouTube channel and hit subscribe, even if you plan on you know listening consuming. in your car. Yeah, that was just fine, which is how I listen to almost all my podcasts anyway. So, nothing wrong with that, but uh rating and reviewing the show on the podcast platforms and subscribing on YouTube regardless does help us. So, we appreciate the support as always. You can follow us on Twitter at Hogan Johns. Find us at hoganjohns.com and uh all of the merch is available there as well. Um Johnsy, where do we start? It's been a tough couple days. The message coming out of House Hall is still the same. Everything is fine. They're close. They're very close. Fields is close. Close to what? I don't know. Being able to beat the Broncos or scoring more than 10 points. I'm sorry. It's it's cringe right now. It's uh I, I get it too from like the coaching standpoint. There's only so much you can say. Um but I went on a little rant on our post game show on Sunday, and I still think there is more that you can say at those podium sessions to make the fan base feel a little bit better. But um, this sort of 
I don't know. Is it fair to call this like somewhat of a you know, being in denial? I don't know if it's in denial. It's just more coach speak. I feel like the the we're close cliche is just part of the coping process. <laughs> do you think I guess my question is, do you think that Maddie Refluse really does think they're close? No. Okay. I then that answers but, the question. They're not necessarily not say, he's not going to stand up there and say, we're so far away, we're screwed. No, but he could go up there and say, hey, look, we're looking at everything this week, and everybody's, you know, got to feel like they're, you know, fighting for something here, and nobody's safe. We're, we're literally going to look at every position group, every position, and... you know, evaluate, including the coaches and come back on Sunday and see if it's better. Like, I, I think, I don't know. I just think that that's a better message than being up there being like, yeah, we're so close. And I don't know, Johns, when the players then follow up yesterday at the podium too, talking about how close they are, that seems to be like it was the message on Monday morning. Whether that's PR speak or carry over from Eberflus's message I don't know. I don't think they're close. They may look close against the Denver Broncos. Like this should be a close game because the Denver Broncos are also a pretty bad team. Could be worse than the Bears, maybe. Um, so this is a kind of a battle to see who's worse in a sense. But I don't think this week you're going to get a, cl a clear picture of like who the Bears are or what they're going to be. I, I think there's a lot of problems they have to sort out, especially on Eberflus's own defense. Yeah, well, let's start there because we get it. There's a lot of talk about Justin Fields. There should be a lot of talk about Justin Fields. There always is for good reason. But this defense stinks, dude. So right now they are 20th against the run, so not so bad. 30th against the pass. And in pro football references, more more conclusive advanced measurements. They're 31st overall. The defense ranked behind them is the Denver Broncos at 32nd and pro football references rankings. I could get more from true media here in a, in a bit, but yeah, it's not good. It's not good for the defensive minded head coach who had pretty good units for the Indianapolis Colts. Well, and here's more. Uh, I don't know if you saw this tweet going around the other day from uh, at Ali Connolly, who, uh, went into EPA expected points added. These are all defensive mat metrics of the bears defense under Maddie Refluse, including last year too. So it's like, since he got here 32nd in EPA per play, 32nd in drop back EPA per play, 32nd in pressure rate, 32nd in pressure rate with four man rush, 32nd in sacks per game, 32nd in yards conceded per coverage snap. Is that good? This is bad. <laughs> I mean, like, and so, so bad. And, and yes, you can point out, okay, they they traded Roquan Smith. They did, you know, they, yes, we get all that. But you, it, it would have been one thing for the Bears to be going through an offensive struggle again. That's eternity here with this organization. But 
usually they can lean on having a good defense. They, if you hire a defensive coach, you can't be last in every metric that matters 20 games into this thing. See, I, I'm willing to try to separate the two seasons because, well, I, you, you mentioned Roquan Smith, you mentioned Robert Quinn. They, they did trade their best two players. Their injuries, like I'm willing to distinguish the between the two seasons, but at the same time, if you want to look at this season, like you made, you spent all this money on your defense, two new linebackers, new pass rushers. What are you getting? Like, did you notice Tremaine Edmonds against the Chiefs? Like, he has to be one of your best players against the Chiefs. I noticed him walking to the locker room late in the game. That's when I noticed them too. You know, when he was missing, I guess that's kind of a good thing, but also, like, where was he before that? Anik Ngakwe, $10 million for one sack over three games? Marcus Walker? Yeah, he didn't pop at all on Sunday. I get Um, that the Chiefs have a pretty good offensive line, but you spent a lot of money trying to fix your defense, or at least get it better to where it was last year if we're going to separate the two. And you're still among the league's worst. And, and and again, I just point out that regardless of what the talent is, like Vic Fangio showed up here with bad talent and you could still look at them and be like, okay, this is a cool scheme. Like they're doing cool things there. You know, you get these, you get him some players, and like this scheme's gonna work. Good coaches can still. I'm not saying, you know, be locked down defense without talent, but they could still be middle of the pack. But I want to hear another damning stat. This is like alarming because I don't think this is gonna change for the rest of the season. The Bears are dead last. And third down defense, third down, third downs, of course, right? Do you know what the the conversion rate against them is right now? In the eighties? No, it's <laughs> not that bad. Seventy, sixty freaking percent. Okay, it feels like it's in the eighties. Yeah, sixty percent. So, what do you make of that? I mean, I, I I can't. Okay, so they played the Chiefs on Sunday. All right, but guys, anybody with eyes could see like the Chiefs were barely breaking a sweat in that game. It seriously looked like they could do anything they wanted, and it should not look like an overmatched high school game at the NFL level. This is the NFL. All thirty-two teams have players that are the best in the world. That's why when you hear the Bears are 12 and a half point underdog, it's like, whoa, that's a big number. But it wasn't even close to big enough. Truthfully, and, I think you could just look at Baker Mayfield's numbers between against the Bears and against the Eagles. Well, that's what I was going to bring up. So, okay, the Chiefs are one thing. The Bucks, they struggled all last night to move the ball against the Eagles. Even the Packers, we're going to go back to week one. The Packers could not score on the Saints until 
late in the second half. And good for them. They came back and won. But that was not an offensive showing. Granted, they were down Aaron Jones and Christian Watson. and But they were down those guys. They were down Christian Watson against the Bears, too. And Aaron Jones got hurt in that game. So any way you draw it up, it's just not promising for this defense. If we're ranking excuses, like Matty Ibrahusa's top one right now is the injury situation. Like you're down to to backups, like young, inexperienced backups in your secondary. At one point against the Chiefs, you had one starter playing in that secondary. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. I understand that. I just don't think it should be this bad. And if you want to include last year's body of work, I guess there's just more context right now that tells you that either one, the scheme doesn't work or two, they still need a lot of personnel help in order to make this scheme work. Defensive lines, not generating any pressure. The coverage is suspect. And the defensive coordinator isn't blitzing to help generate pressure and all that stuff. So I think there's a lot of problems going on. I understand that there was a lot of injuries in training camp. These players didn't play together. I understand the chemistry thing, but come on. Come on. To your point, it should not look like a varsity football team against a JV one. I just think trying to claim that they're close is just... It's somewhat disingenuous, to be honest with you. Now, if you want to Close look to at the what, right? yeah, I mean, I'm gonna switch this to offense just a little bit here. I mean, you want to go through the the list of offensive problems, and you could say, oh yeah, you know, like there's this example on this play where they don't pass off a stunt. There's this play where they have a delay of game. There's this play where um, you know they're struggling with the silent count. There was this play where they clearly had some blocking confusion. There was this play where DJ Moore didn't run a great route. There was another play where DJ Moore dropped the ball. Like, so yeah, if you know all those things come together, they have a good offense. I, I you know what I mean? Like, that's just a lot of things to say that you're close. A lot of and those are all things that happened on Sunday. It's a problem when you're looking at stuff like that and you and you think it could be a difference when there are certain trends emerging. Mm-hmm. Can I read you some advanced stats? Yeah, let's go through this. All right. From True media. Number one, the Chiefs attack quarterback Justin Fields differently by playing less zone coverage than the Packers and Buccaneers. Kansas City was in zone coverage 38.9% of the time. The Packers and Buccaneers were at 92 and 84.6% respectively. Yeah, I find that concerning because I would expect better results. And and this is something that showed up on the tape for me, the all 22 Johns, that I wasn't. Look, the Chiefs defense is good, so we got to bring that up. There were a lot of plays where you look at, you zoom out on the all 22 and they are in man coverage and everyone's covered. It's true. Like no one was getting open. And there are a couple times where you got to chase Claypool mailbox hand up and he's got half a step. And I think that that ball needs to be thrown like the one jump ball. He did throw up to chase Claypool that didn't get caught, but 
you know, it's still a very low risk throw because the chances it's intercepted, it's probably going to get knocked down if it's not complete. So I don't really know what to make of that. It's a little concerning to me, though, that like Darnell Mooney had one target and zero catches. I mean, maybe we are guilty of overrating this wide receiver core. I also think the quarterback has to give them some chances sometimes. Yeah. But I don't off to, I don't have it, you know, in front of me right now, but just off the top of my head, I don't remember a single play where I'm like, Darnell Mooney's open here, you gotta throw it. No, no. Well, the playbook felt a little bit limited. Everything felt limited because the defense was on the field so much, but some of it actually looked like the Buccaneers offense where it looked like a max protect play action with only a couple guys, you know, running deep routes, shot plays with a couple of outlets at the end. But, you know, when Baker Mayfield was running that, he was throwing trust routes. You know, he was trusting Mike Evans to, to be there on the comeback, you know, 30 yards down the field. I mean, he was throwing the ball before Mike Evans was even out of his break. Anticipation. We that's just not, we, yeah, that's, we, we, we've been talking about that for a yeah, long time. That's yeah. just not going to be Justin. All right. Number two, over three games, the bears average distance on third downs is 7.72 yards. The bears have been in shotgun 82.6% of the time on offense. Yeah. That's the scheme stuff that, uh, sort of has me a little confused. Now, if you're going to be behind the chains, that's going to certainly cause you to be in shotgun more. Um, But I still thought we were going to see a run first outside zone offense. And I still think they have the running backs to do it. Um, Do you think Luke Getzi doesn't trust his backup center and backup guard to get off the ball? Probably. I mean, that's the only reasonable explanation I can think of for them doing what they're doing. But I don't know. There's still there's still chunk plays there in the running game. It's not like they're getting, you know, TFL'd five yards back when they try to run the ball. It's still been there for me. Yeah. Well, the first down, second down efficiency isn't there. When I was watching the film with Josh Lucas, and I know we have one more game now to, to go through, but he was trying to highlight how predictable things were. Like, oh, failed first down pass. Here comes the makeup for it run. And it was consistent, consistent. It just, they're in, I, I can't tell you how many times he said they're in shotgun again. They're in shotgun again. They're in shotgun again. You know, with a mobile quarterback like Fields, maybe you would want him getting on the move almost instantaneously with some boots and stuff like that, some different play actions, but there haven't been a lot of that. You know, everything feels a bit predictable. And that, this is a scout's take, a, a guy who's got years and years of experience. That's what he's seeing. Yeah. And I feel that way too. There's some predictable qualities about the Bears offense right now. Now, the one thing I will say is, uh, and that's obviously true that there's predictable qualities um you can even see it like when they're trying to run duo with the way these defensive linemen are just grabbing onto the offensive linemen 
to not allow them to climb to the linebacker Second level. Like they 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 recognize it right away and they just hold them and it's, it's technically a penalty, but you almost never get that called. Um, but real quick, I think that I do sort of understand the philosophy of okay, we're running zone read and they're keen on Justin. Well, let's take advantage of that by just handing it off because now you're taking what you're taking a defender out of trying to tackle the running back. And they did do that a lot on Sunday. Like you could see they're, they're, they're running zone reads that are basically automatic gifts because they know that they're, they're keen on Justin and they're picking up their four or five yards by handing it off to the back. That's that's sound. I'm cool. That, and that might explain why they're sort of in shotgun as much as running as much zone read that are just straight gives because they're like, oh, we'll take our four or five yards. There's nothing wrong with that. I still think. I'm not sure that's helping Justin, though. Become a better passer. I, I'd, I'd rather see more. I formation use the fullback outside zone shot plays off of that play action. And they did a little of that on Sunday, but I'd like to see that third and seven average get down to a bit. Third and five. That's third bad. And four. It's not good. Mm-hmm. It's among the league's worst among many stats that are for the bears among the league's worst. All right. Number three. Back to the defense. And Matt Eberflus's second game in charge of the Bears defense. The Bears barely blitzed at 7.3%. Over three games, only two teams have blitzed less percentage-wise, the Cardinals and the Bills. The Bears have one sack this season. The Bills have 12. Yeah, I mean, they must have just been scared to death to blitz Patrick Mahomes. And I sort of get it. But when I'm talking to players in the locker room last week and they're they almost sound giddy over the idea that Flus is calling the defense because oh he likes to dial it up more, you know, and, and then there was some signs of that against the Bucks. This is quite a departure from that in week three. And I get it. I mean, you're playing Mahomes. You're I mean, pick your poison. But that's just not gonna be I feel the same way about this, Johns, as I do about when we talk about Justin just being an anticipatory thrower. Because it's just not what this team is. No. I mean, statistically, like, if you let Mahomes out of the pocket, like, it's a serious, serious problem, especially when he's going to the right. He had, just in terms of, like, a feel for the quarterback position, like, watching from the press box, like, I literally hit Kevin Fishbane, like, with a little, you know, elbow. I'm like, did you see that from Mahomes? He scrambles, steps up to his right, and now he's moving to his right, rolling to his right. He went like right down the line of scrimmage. So aware, like directly down the line to keep the play alive, to keep his pass option alive. I think he eventually ran for a few yards, but I w- it just struck me just in terms of the quarterback play that we've been watching over the years, how he just literally hugged that line of scrimmage so he could keep the pass option for himself alive before finally giving up on what he could see down the field before running out of bounds. Like, it just impressed the hell out of me. When you see it live, you know, like that, I mean, that's something. High level of awareness, playing the game with incredible amount of confidence, obviously. Um, That's why he's the best right now. 
The Bears are close. <laughs> Come on. I know we're not buying it. Um, but this, you know, it's like, who said that a lot? Was it Mark Tressman who said that a lot? Like, we're, we're close. Speaking of, like, predictable offenses, I'm going to give Dan Durkin, our old friend here, like, a shout-out. Do you remember when, when Dan Durkin would literally call out the plays of Mark Tressman's offense in the press box as we're watching yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, I do. Like, that was predictable. Like, this feels the same way, in a sense. It's At least we're getting to that point. I don't, I don't know if it's, uh, like, did you hear Mike Lombardi's criticism of Justin Fields? No, but like it was like I, more of a defensive Lugetti. Like speaking what? of predictable, I could probably cite it word for word without <laughs> hearing it. There, there was no mention of throwing passes through uh, keyholes or anything. Okay, <laughs> the keyhole. Yeah, remember that one? Yes, I do. The keyhole. I miss those days where Treat Cohen is like going on Twitter and defending Mr. Biscuit. Like those were, those were good days. But um, the criticism was. I am. You have to go look it up. I'm. I'm summarizing here, paraphrasing a ton, but it was. What do you expect Lugetsi to call for this quarterback? That was his argument, basically. Uh yeah. More runs. Leave it all out there. More runs. I mean, see, I'm being serious. Like, I, I, I get that. This almost feels, John's like it's like a, we're gonna find out as fast as possible this season what Justin can and cannot do. Yeah, their, their approach these first three games offensively, to me have, and I just I I think that this brings me to another thing that's been bothering me. I I, I don't want to hear about the lack of reps in the preseason anymore. Like that was a choice you made. And and the, at the time we were saying, okay, you know, you're worried about him getting hurt because of the guys that are hurt up front. Well, he's gonna have to play behind these guys in the regular season. The guy needs reps. So now it's all we're gelling because we didn't get to play together in the preseason. Meanwhile, it seems like every other drive, a new player is getting hurt. So I don't know. It's a problem. It's a problem. Well, and at this point, you have three weeks of actual game prep. You have a bunch of snaps over three weeks. Nothing's working. Nothing's clicking. Yeah. Um. By the way, yeah, if anyone, <laughs> if anybody watching live has any questions, um, you can drop them in the chat, and we'll probably highlight some of the some of the good questions, and we can uh, throw them on here at the end. Uh, I think that's all you had in terms of advanced I, stats today. Um, I had uh you want to do a quick questions before voicemail? I got a yeah. question here from uh, Twitter. Sure. This is from Rob. Hello, chaps. Love the podcast. Quick question. If Nate Davis can go, would you change the offensive line so that three of the five of the planned lines start where they're supposed to? Borum, Carter, Whitehair, Davis, right? Rearranging chairs on the Titanic, I realize. So he's talking about moving Jatari Carter to left guard, white hair back to center. So, so yes. So the the so the thinking there is ba- basically just so let's assume Nate Davis can play this week. He's at right guard. Darnell Wright's at right tackle. So you're going to have that regardless. The question is essentially, do you move Cody White? That's a long way of asking. Do you move Cody White back to center? 
Yes. And take Lucas Patrick out. Um, I don't think they, they do it. What do they do, though, when Tevin Jenkins comes back? That's my question. Because it seems like that decision that was made, like more went into that than just losing Tevin Jenkins. Like, I feel like they weren't necessarily happy with Cody Whitehair at center. But if it's the snapping stuff, like Lucas Patrick snaps have been all over the place, too. I mean, when Tevin Jenkins comes back, I think you move Cody Whitehair back to center. I think you have to, right? For the time being, though, I think I think Luke Getzey has such an affinity for Lucas Patrick that he's going to play. Like, he trusts him. You're obviously limited offensively with what you could do with him. Like, any mm-hmm. scout, heck, we see it on film. Every team sees it, but... Luke Getzey trusts Lucas Patrick to be his center. And I think that's going to carry more weight until Tevin Jenkins is healthy. Uh, it's very, it, it makes you feel uneasy the amount of injuries up front with the offensive line and then the amount of injuries on the back end on defense with the secondary. I mean, if I'm early looking at this game against the Broncos, that's where I totally understand why the Bears are underdogs. Did you see that clip yesterday of Danny Parkins uh, telling Jalen Johnson that they were underdogs to a team that gave up 70 points? No, but I saw some of the quotes afterwards. I mean, you could you could tell he was like, whoa, like that's not good. <laughs> You know, we're probably a couple weeks away from this, but if you're Jalen Johnson and Darnell Mooney, do you kind of tell the organization to, hey, see who needs help a cornerback? Hey, did I see that receiver get hurt? Do they need help in Cincinnati? Do they need help in L.A.? I'm saying that because they played last night, but just throwing it out there. I think if it, especially maybe if you're Darnell Mooney, who's not even getting the ball much right now. So are we going to have another sell-off here before the trade deadline? If you're Ryan Poles, I think you try to take that approach because I don't think, unless the money is outstanding and Jalen Johnson and Darnell Mooney really love the situation here, which is, I don't know. Would you if you were a player? Oh, yeah. If I was a player, my concern is just like, at what point are you going to have? You're talking about how close you are. These trades make you farther away, don't they? Yeah. No, but but if you're Darnell Mooney and they come to you this week with a great extension offer, like, are you signing it right then and there? Or do you want to go like, or do you seriously consider what's happening with this team right now? I'd probably sign the contract. You would? I had one target for zero catches. If they're coming at me with <laughs> with a big deal, I'm going to sign that. Well, I guess it's where your priorities are, right? Yeah. 
I, I get what you're saying, though. It, you're you're basically wondering, like, do these players want out? Do they want a better situation? Do they want to win somewhere else? I think it's do a fair want, question. Do they, do they want choice in that better situation? Because if they both get to the point after the season, they're both unrestricted free agents. But think about what you're asking and how much of a concern that is for where the direction of this thing is headed. And and and, and I question even like the idea of trading them because like what is this? What are these trades turning into? You know, where like at some point these draft picks have to become legitimate players. I understand it's early, but Jervon Dexter, Zach Pickens, what? Like, I'd even say Jaquan Brisker. Yes, last year Jaquan Brisker and. Kyler Gordon, I, and I thought Kyler Gordon had an outstanding training camp and then unfortunately broke his hand, but still, it's like it, it, you traded away Roquan Smith, who was one of your most dependable players. And is, I'm sorry, but he's missed right now. I don't want to hear about scheme. Like, he's still a good, like, you need good players. Jalen Johnson right now, to me especially, is still a good player. I don't have really any issues to the start of the season that he's off to. I think he's been playing like well. His situation is different than Darnell Mooney's because I feel like cornerbacks get paid first before wide receivers, especially like Darnell Mooney's not a tier one wide receiver or like tier two, tier three. Jalen Johnson, if he hits the market, could have a lot of impressive offers from contending teams that's looking for that extra piece to take that next step. Yeah. But I keep going back to something that Josh Lucas said on this show, which was the medicals. Because I think there's still those shoulder concerns, which I kind of find kind of funny because they really haven't been an issue for the Bears. No, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. But if other teams have that problem, then I don't know. That's to me, that's an extension. You can't afford to lose another good player like that. At least in my opinion, right now. Well, it's not done yet. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah. Do you want to play the voicemails and we'll get to some of these questions? Yeah, let's do that. So uh, voicemails from Sunday's game, they should be very, very calm and um, paint a rosy picture and rainbows in the sky and everything's everything's fine here. Here's your voicemails from the Chiefs game on Sunday. Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! The Hogan Johns voicemail. The Hogan Johns voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! Hey, Hogan Johns. This is John. Uh, I'm in Kansas City. Uh, first time, long time, you know, the whole thing. Uh, to be honest, wearing a Bears jersey, and more people have apologized than they have heckled me. And that just really shows the state of the franchise. I don't know how else to justify it. Uh, I think that's all she wrote. Um, John, only the Bears could have a player that gets concussed and also commits a penalty on the same play. Everybody who thinks Roshan Johnson is somehow going to be our savior just tripped and fell and then had a holding penalty on third down. Hogue, John, there's seven minutes left in the second quarter of week three of the NFL season, and the Chicago Bears are on the clock. They're down. <laughs> we suck again. We're down 21-0 before halftime. They're down. <laughs> we suck again. Every single defensive back on the team is going to get injured today. Justin Fields is terrible. Matt Eberfuss, terrible. Ryan Poles remains to be seen but looks terrible. F***ing discipline. Are you kidding me, Khalil Herbert? Fumbling the football on f***ing real. You know who looked good today? C.J. Stroud looked great. You know who else has looked really good? Caleb Williams. Unbelievable. You know, watching this game, Kevin Warren has got to be singing to himself. What the f*** did I just get myself into? I have to uh, compose a poem for the Bears at halftime. Roses are red, violets are blue. The Bears offense sucks. Mark Tressman, is that you? Well, here we are yet again. Fields just threw his interception. Live at Arrowhead, this sucks. What, what the hell did we do to deserve this? I just want to know how it's possible that we're worse than last year after spending all this money. Hashtag fire the floof. Let's go. Call the gag, John Z. Bob Dabrowski calling in here from uh, Kansas City. You're at halftime, and uh, the Bears are just so boring. God, they're just so bad and boring, and everything sucks. The, the Broncos next week, maybe they can flex that Sunday Night Football to the most horrible teams in the history of football. Anyway, go Bears, I guess. There's no reason to keep going. There's nothing. There's no hope. Hey, Hogan Johns, uh, Josh and Indy. 
I decided to come to the bathroom to give you guys a call because this team is shit. So probably no better place to talk about them. If Ryan Paul's Ian Cunningham, Matt Ebersleaf, Luke Etsy, Richard Hightower, if any of them had any dignity, they would submit their letters of resignation while they're still in Kansas City with an apology note to the city of Chicago. Guys, are the bears contagious? Do we, do we make DJ more bad? Guys, blow it the f*** up. This team f***ing sucks. Leave Everflus on the f***ing tarmac. Leave the whole f***ing coaching staff, all the players on the tarmac. So how you guys finish the game? Some bourbon, maybe? Because holy shit. Hey, Adam. Adam. F***! Hey, guys. It's Adam from Vernon Hills. Thinking about getting in a car with Bob Dabrowski and... Driving, just driving, and who knows where we'll go. It's this bad right now, and imagine if they keep it up week four, week five. The the Broncos game might be the the worst game ever played in the National Football League, but shout out Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. I'm sad. I'm just sad. I'm just really sad. I want to watch. I want to look forward to watching football. 41-3, and I was just thinking that the refs should have the same powers as boxing refs to stop a bout or a game in this case, where one side is in danger of losing due to their will to live. The Bears are just nervous playing in front of T-Swift. I mean, can you blame them? I'm going to sue my parents for emotional damage. Nobody should deal with being a Bears fan. Everything And you know the worst part about it is I made my f***ing wife a Bears fan. I had to work uh, three elementary football games on Saturday, and the Bears game was easily the worst football game I had to watch. They did it. The Bears ruined the love that B-Man had for the Bears. B-Man, if you're listening to this, move on. Hey, Bears fans, B-Man here. you got to blame Kent for week one, because I did call. But I'll take the blame for week two. Here we are, week three, and, well, I don't even know what to say. Bear down. Hey, Bears fans, B-Man's dad here. I'm 43. I've been through some good times, a whole lot of bad times, and some crazy times as a Bears fan. But do y'all remember a time with this much excitement that turned this bad this quick? It appears we got a lot more sad times to come, but let's do our best to stay positive and bear down! It's good to have B-Man back. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, There's some good ones in there. Was that... There was one caller, Adam Vernon Hills, trying to impersonate you? Yeah, I don't know. Getting in a car with Bob. Yeah, that was was an interesting guest call, I think, there. I like the one that was live from Arrowhead. This sucks. (laughs) That was good. Oh, man. That summed it up pretty, pretty well. Uh, good to hear from B man. And, um, damn, he did call week one. It's messed up, but apparently didn't call week two. Uh, okay. Well, there's always this week. I'm a little good. I'm a little worried about this, like going down white Sox road here. Where like there was so much excitement and it just 
that like that last call, like how it how it just fizzled out so quickly. And it it does seem like like the Bears are different. The Bears fans are different. They're never really ever gonna just go away and give up. I think we've learned that over the years that they've been through. They've been through enough already. But this does seem to be teetering a little bit. 13 games in a row. Isn't this a franchise record now? I don't even I think it is. know. I think it is. I mean, this is really bad. I think a lot of that excitement was rooted in what Justin Fields could be and do. A lot of that excitement came from what he was doing as a rusher last season. It was dynamic. It scared the hell out of opposing defensive coordinators. Mike McDaniel told him to stop it. It was something that we've never covered. That type of just excitement. Excitement. (laughs) Well, it it was every time he touched the ball, he had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah. And there's excitement in that. Right? It was electric. But you know what? Teams adjust. Defenses, when they have the talent and the speed, they can beat you. Like the Chiefs, they spied them like the entire game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh and that's that's what's kind of concerning to me about when you give that advanced stat about how they were actually in man more considerably more than zone. And it still was a problem. Like if you're if you're a defensive coordinator at this point, I feel like you could do almost anything. And you're trying to dare Justin Fields to beat you with his arm. That's what you're doing. Doesn't matter what coverage, because he's not throwing the ball. If you're a defensive coordinator, that's what you're saying. Let's go through these questions. Yeah, I was going to say, let's pop pop these up. All right, Kevin here. If this team goes 0-5, who on the coaching staff becomes the scapegoat, and do they finally hire a defense coordinator with the mini buy? Um, I mean, who's like your defensive coordinator candidate? Rod Marinelli? Yeah, I mean, I don't... Promote John Hoke? I think promoting John Hoke's probably the most likely thing that happens, but I think Flus retains play calling. Um, if you go back to what Ryan Pohl said last week, it seemed like they might figure that out this week. He's, he he alluded to the, hey, we'll figure out titles and all that next week. He said that. So I don't know if Sunday's game changed anything, but look, you're not changing the scheme in the middle of the season. Um, even from a bring in somebody new to the staff standpoint, now you're starting over with brand new relationships midseason. It's a hard thing to do. Could you bring on somebody that helps consult sort of in the background? Is that something Rod Marinelli's interested? Is that something Lovey Smith is interested in? But what's really changing? I mean, it's still the same defense, still the same. Player? Philosophies. I, I don't. A time machine where you can go back and draft Jalen Carter would be nice. Ed Werder shared some uh, stats, some next gen stats on Jalen Carter this morning. Did you see them? Uh, I didn't. But do, do you want me to read them or find them? Uh, I'll just sum them up for you. Jalen yeah. Carter is a good player, and he's a problem for opposing offenses 
Yeah, it's beating double teams. And but this, I feel like you brought this up a while ago. Like we knew this would happen. Let's play this out a little bit longer. But we knew he'd be good, especially on that defense. The best player in the draft fell to you at number nine. It would have been the greatest heist in like the history of the NFL draft. But and we did their approach. I'll just say yeah. that. The Bears. Yeah. If you don't trust your own organization to take in a town like that, what does that say about your organization? Well, let's start with this one from Kenny Hamilton. Do you think Kevin Warren has picked up the phone to sound out Harbaugh? Yeah, Jim Harbaugh, coach of Michigan. Uh, my guess is no. Do I think he should? Maybe. I think we're all wondering what Kevin Warren is thinking right now. I'm definitely wondering it. I'm definitely, I'm definitely wondering. Because on the table is I is that he still loves Ryan Poles and this these people that that are there now. Although he didn't play the like he was hired after Ryan Poles, and I get that things were are good or were good, are good. It's just an interesting dynamic to watch. But that goes back to I was actually I was talking to my wife about that last night. It, it goes back to the stuff you were talking about last week, like. They never line the stars up correctly at Alice Hall. They, they, uh, sometimes I think they honestly would have been better off had they kept Pace and Nagy for one more year if they knew Ted Phillips was going to retire in a year. Then hire the team president, then go blow everything up. And, and yes, it would have been a complete waste of another year. I get it. Or make Ted Phillips retire a year earlier. It's 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 honestly mind blowing that they keep doing this, and I wrote a whole column on it, you know. And I I do feel like yes, Justin Fields has been bad, but you can blame the organization for for him being like this bad. Like you could fault the organization for for drafting him, and you could also fault the organization for then firing the head coach and GM who drafted him. Then you could be like, why did you allow them to trade up for him? Like it's just. It's mind-blowing sometimes how many layers there are to this and how many quarterbacks get ruined by this process. Yeah. It, and it's making him go through a rebuild season without any receivers. Like, it's... I get that he has to be better, but if you want to go down that road again in terms of organizational failure, there's so many examples of how they failed this quarterback, the past quarterback, Jake Cutler, too. It's And now we're sitting here, what do we think the GM that didn't draft him thinks of him? What do we think the team president that didn't hire this GM thinks of the GM? I need I need that like Matthew McConaughey like uh, aluminum can. <laughs> <laughs> it should go circle here. It should go from the top. Okay, hires this guy, this guy, this guy down to the quarterback, and instead it's the opposite. It's literally Justin Fields was for, here first, then then the GM, and then the team president. Like, it's all backwards. It's all. Can we, backwards. Go through, can we go through these next two questions together? This first one's from Philip. Has Flus lost the locker room? And the second one here is from Mike McKnight. Any chance we fire Ibra Flus and give Poles a chance to get his guy, or do we just fire everyone? It's week three, man. It's 14 games left. <laughs> yeah. 
Also, Floos is Poles' guy. Yes. Yes. Um, has he lost the locker room? No, I'm gonna say no right now. Still early though. We know how this plays out. What do you think? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I I maintain what I said last week that I think that the this two week stretch, um, is very important. That included the Chiefs game. I did not think that you could go down there and lose the way in which they did and come out of it any healthier, which is partly why I get kind of sick hearing about how close they are when that was clearly just not the case on Sunday. And um, so how do they respond again here? The Broncos are not a good football team. Their defense is bad. If you can't score against the Broncos, and, and I hate to break it to you, though, everything we said about the defense early on in the show, Russell Wilson's playing pretty decent right now. Who's going to stop Russell Wilson on Sunday? I think what everybody wants to know is is whether there's going to be like an early scapegoat for the problems this season, like a message sent. And we've rarely seen that from this Bears organization. I, and I think to go back to our earlier point, we're wondering if Kevin Warren will change that philosophy. Like, does he have the power to change that philosophy that George McCaskey has upheld for a long time? But who would that scapegoat be? That goes back to the question from a few minutes ago. Are we saying uh, Luke Getze? You didn't develop the quarterback? Okay, who's calling the plays the rest of the season? If if Eberflus was an offensive head coach, you could then take over play calling? I could, I'd be like, yeah, that's very, very likely. Do you remember when we covered a team where the head coach made himself the scapegoat twice by taking play calling away yeah. himself? Yeah. Well, that's still a scenario that could play out. Floos gives up defensive play calling by week five, six, seven. Well, he almost, well, he also, he also gave it to him by the, like he has it by default at the moment because his sure, defensive but- coordinator resigned and they're, certain circumstances fine but if it still doesn't go well i mean that's something i could see happen but there's a there's a scary lack of play calling experience on both sides of the ball that it's just like who do you hand it over to if you make those moves yeah yeah well Uh, well, here's a good question for you like how much of this is actually luke getsy's lack of experience in the position He's supposed to be from that like McVeigh Shanahan tree by extension through Matt LaFleur, but he's not really from that little he's not Mike McDaniel who was part of that inner circle, right? Right. He's not even Kevin O'Connell who was part of that too. Well, and wasn't his first stint in Green Bay with Mike McCarthy? Mike McCarthy. So Well, and that's why I think he's trying to bring a blend of, you know, different things. But yeah, he's never really called plays at the NFL level until this. He did it in college, but either did Nathaniel Hackett when you saw how that played out. Speaking of the Denver Broncos, yes, and, and Nathaniel Hackett was, well, Luke Getzey's boss for a bit. Aaron Rodgers was everyone's boss. <laughs> True. 
It just good point there, Adam Hall. Good point. You're you're onto Go something Bears. there. You, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> uh, what else we got, Aaron? When does Justin ask for a trade? I don't think Justin will do that. No. Well, maybe in the offseason. If they move on from him. You mean when they be finished with a top two pick and draft Caleb Williams or Drake May? If the 49ers got something for Trey Lance, don't you think someone will still look at Justin Fields and look at his running ability and be like, we can get something out of that? Yes. I think the path I don't want to go down. I don't there's 14 games left here, but like the idea of Fields in his fourth season playing for another new offensive coordinator, like that's like lingering here. Like if you retain polls or retain Eberflus, like there's got to be changes somewhere. And that would be like an obvious place to make that change at offensive coordinator, given how bad the Bears are already this year, but God, I'm just wondering what's going to happen over the next 14 weeks. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's scary. Um, but, uh, question here. How would my how much would Miami score on Chicago? 62. <laughs> a lot. You watch that game. There were turnovers. Uh, Dolphins had a lot of really good field position. Um, which, again, I mean. I I do not see the Bears turning the Broncos over the way that they're they're just not a team that forces takeaways. So Blaine Gabbert's in the game. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you look at that game. Miami had a lot of short fields, and any this nonsense that like they're running up the score. Like, watch the game. Well, they weren't. Broncos weren't tackling tackling anyone. You know what though? Like, it's the NFL, and they're all professionals. If you don't like it, stop them. Make the tackle. They had their backups in in the fourth quarter, and they were still scoring. Mike White, right? Is Mike White? Yes, Mike White's in the game. What do you? I, 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 it's ridiculous. Uh, Fifty-five. How much they would score? (laughs) All right. Oh, all right. We've got one more. It's fine. Let's get it in there, Kent. How many years is Flu signed for? I don't think the team announced it. I highly doubt the team will want to pay for two coaches if they fire Flues. Um, The team has been... They did this to John Fox. It, it doesn't matter. Matt Nagy, they, they, they pay them without being here. They paid Mark Helfrich. Like, it's... Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, yep. like... I know what you're saying. I think it actually might be a five-year deal because that's what has become standard for coaches. Um, and I think that's what Ryan Poles got as well. And usually they link them together. Um, whatever. They, they fired coaches and paid them before. Yeah, I'm not yeah. too worried about that. Yeah. Um, again, I think that the big elephant in the room is what does Kevin Warren think about all this? But again, yeah, it's week three. They're close. We'll get it all figured out against there. I mean, is there a scenario in which they win these next two games? You're playing two games in five days. 
can they be two and three? All of a sudden, it looks a little different. Vikings coming to town after that off a mini buy. Vikings are 0 and 3. And there goes Justin Jefferson wide open once again. Like, that's the thing. Like, come on. Who's stopping that? Yeah. Um, They could be 2 and 3. They could be 0 and 5. And without any hope. I think that's when you get the dissension finger pointing that Maddie Bufflew says I think is there. So when we mentioned rock bottom, this what happened in Kansas City is not it. Like if they lose to the really bad, to the very bad Broncos, you're heading in that direction. By the way, my uh, offseason call, that did you remember what I said about the Broncos hiring Sean Payton and who it reminded me of? Sexy. The whole thing just had John Fox vibes to me. Like, yeah, oh, guys. But at the same point, like, if you had to, to bet on which coach would, would fix this for this coming week, like the Super Bowl winner with, you know, the, the former All-Pro quarterback. Oh. No. Lose? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would, I would. Yeah, Sean Payton. I get it. All right. Uh, it, it, it again. It, it goes back to to me. Russell Wilson is playing better, despite them being zero three. Um, if you can't find a way to score touchdowns and move the ball in this Broncos defense, it's going to be a problem. But uh, all right. Uh, well, wish it was better vibes in here, but that's just the way it is right now. I don't. Know, I don't know what else to tell people. It's just. It's. Uh, it's either a good thing that they've only played three games or it's really bad that they've only played three games. <laughs> I, I, I don't I, I don't know which way to go around that one right now, but uh, we're still going to be here. We'll be back Thursday. We will preview this game against the Broncos. We'll get the uh, view from Denver on everything and um, come back, run it back this week. There's There's no choice. We'll see if the Bears can... Ah, here I'll leave on this note, Johns. It's gonna be. I think it's gonna be an interesting atmosphere at Soldier Field. Yeah, I feel like the the Boo Birds are gonna be out early. It it could be it could be kind of it could be kind of toxic, and it'll be interesting to see what type of effect, if any, that has on the McCaskies, on Kevin Warren. If they get off to a great start, it could be fine, but if it's if it gets bad, ugly, remember like Jaquan Brisker being like, you shouldn't boo us. It's going to be tough. Yeah. So uh, in the meantime, find us on uh, HoganJohns.com. You can find all our merch there. Thanks to obvious shirts. And you can follow us on Twitter at Hogan Johns at Adam Hogue at Adam Johns. You can read John Z on the athletic, the athletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You get my newsletter through all CHGO.com. Diehards there can get the newsletter, and that's going to do it for us on this Tuesday. Uh, got CHO coming up at noon. We'll be, we'll be back here on Hogan Johns on Thursday and uh, preview this game against the Broncos. Talk to you then. See ya. New Year, same old f-ing bears.